Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at uh1.com. Tremendo. Gol, 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 gol. Levi, 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 Levi. Roberto Lewandowski. Barça 3, Inter 3. Hello and welcome to La Liga Lowdown. It's our Match Day 9 recap podcast. Of course, it's Classico Weekend. I'm your host, Matt Clark, and I'm delighted to be joined by Rory Barlow, who I must admit is looking a little deflated after Barcelona's result last night. Rory, how are you feeling? Yeah, deflated's a good word. So you mentioned forlorn, which um, is probably more accurate if you're the one that's kind of assessing me from the outside. Um, <laughs> yeah, from a, from the perspective of a coulee, it's, uh, it's less than ideal to say the least. And um, yeah, just um, a bit of a sickening sort of recurring feeling in the pit of many Barcelona fans' stomachs, I feel. Yes, all four Spanish sides drew in the Champions League this midweek. But of course, that meant very different things for the four clubs. Real Madrid, with Antonio Rudiger literally heading them into the knockout stages and getting a, a very bloody nose for his troubles. Uh, Sevilla also drew in Dortmund. Uh, again, looking at unlikely that they can qualify, but encouraging signs under San Paoli. Atletico could only draw 0-0 at home to group winners or group uh, qualified club Brugge. And uh, their passage looks far from certain. And of course, as for probably the game of, of the Champions League so far, Barca 3 into 3. First of all, Rory, what a game it was. And it leaves their, their hopes of qualifying pretty much it, pretty, pretty close to zero, isn't it? Yeah, they need Inter Milan to avoid victory in their remaining two games. One of which is Victoria Pilsen at home. And uh, yeah, they have been the... Uh, proverbial whipping boys of the group it has to be said so so yeah I think more or less their hopes of the Champions League are out and once again I mean this is a, a team that's kind of it's been in construction I think it was moving in the right direction since that international break it's it's really broken their rhythm as we we're saying and and yeah it's it's hard to reconcile what this means for this Barcelona side because regardless of what happens I mean potentially short of a league win this season will end up being a bit of a failure now. I mean, you, they could win the Europa League. That that's a possibility, and I think that could add some respect to the to the side. I think that could be important if they do go into the Europa League. But ultimately, part of the season is a failure, and financially, this is going to handicap them massively next summer if they intend to further strengthen the side. Yeah, I mean, let me put this to you: the the palancas in the summer. It was. Very, very much talked about. It was the topic of conversation throughout the transfer window. Laporta trying to find every possible way of, of raising funds to improve the team. 
and clearly the signings are good players. The team has improved, but of course, a couple of those were unavailable for this match, notably in defence, which of course we might come on to shortly. But let me put this to you. The, it, was, it was a gamble, and if they, as, as expected, failed to qualify, it, it probably won't have paid off. But would you agree that it's probably a gamble that was worth taking anyway? Yeah, I mean, I think if you if you can talk to yourself into saying that this was a gamble worth taking at the start of the summer, then you have to be prepared to deal with the consequences. I think also be, this was a, a summer that I, I don't expect Barcelona to have a similar summer, not just because of the uh, missing money that won't appear from the Champions League this season, but in terms of this was a summer to kind of rebuild the side. They wanted Gunde and Araujo. Those are sort of players that will be there for a long time. You've got the likes of Lewandowski, who probably still has two or three years in him at the top level, by the looks of things at least. And and yeah, there was a lot of signings in the summer that were there for the long term. So Rafinha as well, he, he's going to be around for a while. Usman Dembele, okay, he's only on a two-year contract, but if he's as committed as he looked on Wednesday night, then there's a good chance that he sticks around too. So I think this was a rebuilding summer as much as anything. So, I mean, I, do, I don't think this, that was those sort of transfers are something that we're going to see regularly. So the effect, it has to be judged over several seasons. But yeah, this is also a failure. Um, and when you do gamble, as you say, you've got to be prepared to lose and, and take that on the chin. I think it was a, a simmering cauldron of factors that left Barcelona out of this. I mean, you talk about the Champions League, the sort of, I was saying about the international break. And before that, everything was rosy. I mean, okay, they'd lost the Bayern, but they'd put in a promising enough performance you lose Kunde, you lose Araujo, Bellerin, Christensen, De Jong, Depay. Like it's a long injury list to be dealing with. Then you have that intermatch where, I mean, let's not beat about the bush by the laws of the game. They should have had a penalty and a goal. That's there's no debate about that. So so yeah, I mean, I'm sure Laporta will not be too happy with UEFA about that. And then this intermatch where. Yeah, okay, they were poor and they conceded a lot of chances. We saw a lot of the same flaws that have been on show both under Xavi and in recent seasons. I think that's uh, that's perhaps what uh, really gets the goat. Watch, it's the sort of stone in the shoe that really irritates Kules more than anything. But there's a lot of factors that went into this, and uh, and I don't think you can exclusively put this down and say, well, the Porta's project has failed and this was a ridiculous idea because. I mean, we're talking about sort of, yeah, flip of a coin things here. Indeed, yeah. Pretty chastening evening. It was all going so well at half-time with Usman Dembele giving them the lead, but within 13 second-half minutes, they found themselves 2-1 down and, and chasing it. And, and from there, the counter-attacks were, were devastating from Inter. And really, they should have made it 4-3 at the very end, which would have absolutely put the full stop on the, the Champions League campaign. Um, a lot of reaction already from... Uh, well, from, from Spain in general, but also in Catalonia, talking about Xavi and whether he has the capacity to be able to overcome the flaws in his system potentially. And there's also a lot of talk about the, the kind of the old guard and, and the leaders or so-called, uh, you know, experienced uh, old heads of the team, the likes of Gerard Piquet, Sergio Busquets, both of which were at fault for goals yesterday. Um, I was interested. I saw you on Twitter today talking about the, uh, the Busquets debate. It's an interesting one, isn't it? And it's certainly Pique obviously is not not first choice when everyone's fit, but Busquets he still is, isn't he? Yeah, he is. And 
okay, you can complain about him, but we're now through... This Busquets debate has been going on since Liverpool, since Roma. Probably more close to Liverpool than Roma, but it's been going on for four or five years, and Busquets has been through periods of form up, he's been through periods of form down since then, but we've still seen four or five managers all continue to select him, which tells you that there's no alternative. Frankie de Jong has played there before. We've seen him exercise in that pivot role badly. We've seen him be there and players streaming past him as well. I think it's a collective issue. I don't think that this is just down to Busquets. Yes, he has flaws. Yes, he could probably do with a replacement. Would I renew his contract this summer? Maybe not. But these issues did not sort of uh, appear out of a cloud today. I mean, Busquets has been playing in this Barcelona side all season and few people have really batted an eyelid until the last couple of weeks. So, so yeah, I think the debate about Busquets to have it now is is almost ridiculous, and I think it's um it's almost false to have that debate now. If you want to have that debate, yeah, have it when things are going well or when things are kind of going um, fine. But like this is, I think it's as much an issue with Xavi's system as it is with Busquets because we know that Busquets does not function in a team that doesn't close the gaps. We know that. If there is space on, like, sort of in the midfield, and the other team can attack it, Busquets will suffer. So I think Albert Blyas and Sat uh, tweeted this about this, and he was analysing the game after the match, and and he was saying that yeah, there's if you have Busquets and Piquet in your side, but you set them up to go out and play like they have uh, Araujo and Kunde in the side, then that's going to lead to issues. And so I think this was a collect- collective problem as much as anything else. Munich, Lewandowski misses chances. Gavi gave away a ball in the first half, which very well could have resulted in a goal. Ter Stegen makes a good save from Dumfries. I, I, yeah, I think just pointing the fingers at Piquet and Busquets is very reductive, although they are at fault, although they are problems. But last uh, time in Europe, as, as Blaise and Sat also pointed out, I mean, uh, Piquet wasn't playing, Alba was. Alba wasn't there today. And yeah, until you have a proper replacement for Busquets, which you don't, and Frankie de Jong, okay, maybe you could have started him today, but he was not fit. He was coming off a uh, sort of fairly limp half hour against Celta last week as well, um, last weekend. So yeah, yeah, I think uh, just pointing the fingers at the veterans is reductive of a wider issue that Barcelona have and, and wider collective problems that Xavi has to solve. Mm, fascinating stuff. And of course, as you say, Busquets has been at a pretty high level for Barca and Spain this season and, and BK was, was brilliant against Elta just at the weekend. So, yeah, it's it's a very strange kind of set of circumstances which has arrived, uh, brought Barca to where they are now. As we look ahead to the big game then, it's El Clasico, Sunday, 4.15 local time at the Santiago Bernabeu. Barcelona, for all of their European problems, are on top of the league on goal difference and uh, arrive at this match probably as close to Real Madrid in terms of competitive uh, nature as they have in probably what three years yeah potentially i mean i'd say that they were in better shape coming into the last classical to be honest when they when they won 4-0 but but yeah in terms of the league i think xavi hernandez would be pretty happy with a draw i think if you if you get out of this game with a draw you stay top of the table you don't have to worry about a team of real madrid's quality in fact nothing near real madrid's quality for another six months I think if Barcelona can come out of this with a draw, then that's a that's a reasonable result. Um, but yeah, Real Madrid, I think we'll look at this. I think they'll be even more confident than they were for the last Classical when they were beaten because Benzema is back. 
I think even though Courtois is missing, this is a team that has less doubts about itself. I think it's more certain. Even though that they were showing that kind of Champions League invincibility at this point last season, that was just kind of at the start of their run. I mean, they'd beaten PSG, but it was one miracle. It wasn't three or four in a row. And and yeah, this was a team that I think everybody thought had major flaws in it, even if they did have magic too. Whereas now I think this Real Madrid's more confident. I think it's more self-assured in what it's doing. I think it has more of a system to it. I think Vinicius Jr. is a better player than he was six months ago. And uh, and yeah, defensively, okay, they've had issues this season, but but yeah, I feel I feel like this is a a unit with more strings to its bow than it did have last season. Mm, just uh, a couple of draws, and every other result has been a victory for Ancelotti's side. So they'll be coming in pretty full of confidence, having given some of those key players a rest at the at the Champions League in midweek. Where do you see this game being decided? Is it is it going to be in midfield? Is it going to be the likes of Pedri and Gavi against Chouameni, Fede Valverde? Um, you know, what do you see as the keys to this Clásico? Yeah, I think there's one big question, and it's what Ancelotti wants to do. And I think that will determine both the pattern of the match and potentially the results. So Ancelotti said, I think it was I think it was last week. He said that this season we'll see several Real Madrids. We'll see Real Madrid that presses high, we'll see them that drop low, we'll see various versions of this Real Madrid depending on the opponents. Against Atletico Madrid, they kind of dropped deep and they, to an extent, let Atletico beat themselves. They mm. kind of just played on Atleti's flaws, they knew that Atleti couldn't defend on the counter, they knew that they were more solid than Atleti, and so they dropped deep and, and counter-attacked, and as Inter showed, that's very much a, a route to victory against this Barcelona provided you can find that space, which I'd probably back Real Madrid to do. If they do try and control the game, if they go head-to-head with Barcelona in midfield, I think it'll be more entertaining for the neutral. Whether it plays out as as Real Madrid having that control, because we've seen, I think over various games this season, we've seen them pull out wins, but sometimes that those wins have been down to Fede Valverde or Vinicius with sort of a brilliant moment and really pulling it out of the bag. But they've also conceded chances. They've only kept one clean sheet in La Liga. So I think depending on what how Ancelotti sets up his team, whether he goes for total dominance or whether he goes to to try and hurt Barcelona's weaknesses, which are on the counter, I think that will define the pattern of this match. And if you're looking for a key battle, well, who's going to stop Vinicius, Matt? <laughs> Very good question. There's talk that uh, Jules Kounde could arrive to this match uh, and, and potentially even for, for the start. So... Do you think that is a massive bonus for Barca? Obviously, it's a bonus, but do you th- how big a bonus is it for Barca for him to be able to be directly up against Vinny to give Barca that extra solidity? It obviously depends on just how fit and how sharp he is. I would imagine that Joao Koundé is a player that returns from injury relatively well, but if uh, if he's sort of at his best or something like it I think it's worth at least a goal for Barcelona put it that way and I, I think it could tip the balance slightly more towards them even though I think Real Madrid are favourites for this match I think if you can negate Vinicius's movement somewhat then that takes a big part of Real Madrid out I mean it takes the main fact their main sort of attacking threat this season out because Benzema as good as he is and we know how good he is and as good as he has been at points this season he's not been the sharp sort of um yeah scabbard that's been like piercing teams through uh, piercing teams that he was last season so 
yeah, if you can if you can limit Vinicius to sort of two or three line breaking runs where he gets into the box, then that's a massive difference. And you saw, I mean, Xavi Hernandez altered his entire team to, to put Ronald Loralco on him in the previous Clasico. It worked. Um, so yeah, if they do have Kunde back, play him in that Araujo role. How he copes, we don't know because he is more comfortable at centre-back. But uh, but yeah, it's a massive, massive factor for Barcelona one way or another. Go on then, final question on this before we go to a break. What is your prediction? I see Real Madrid winning. I don't think it will be a blowout, to be perfectly honest. But I think it, I think it will be... I think it'll be a really good game, to be honest, because I think Barcelona, as as bad as they kind of looked in defence, as shaky as they looked, the sort of balance and the weight of this game is completely different. They don't need to go for a result in this. As I say, I think they'll be happy enough with a draw. Um, I think Real Madrid probably have just too much in them, and I think the confidence blow that this intermatch will have uh, dealt Barcelona might be too much. The fact that even if Koundé is back, it might be Marcus Alonso or Piquet in the side, that's probably a factor that's going to hurt them quite a lot. But yeah, Real Madrid perhaps have to seek Barcelona out more than Inter did. Um, that play to Barcelona's hands and Barcelona do not have to go for the victory. So, so yeah, I think Real Madrid, narrow favourites to win probably. Might be a draw. I struggle to see Barcelona winning, to be honest. Oh, quite a pessimistic take there from Rory. Busquets himself did say that that Inter result would absolutely... Um bring them down before the Clasico. So not a good sign there in terms of how the dress room is feeling. Well, that's all we have time for in part one. Of course, we've gone in depth on the Clasico, but join us for part two when we'll preview all the other nine games this, uh, this match day. And it is shaping up to be a fantastic one. Stay with us. One size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes. Nice dress. Uh, it's a it's a T-shirt. Until you tried it on. Same goes for your healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers a variety of flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. So whether you're between jobs, coming off a parent's plan, or even missed open enrollment, you can find the plan that fits you best. Find out more about United Healthcare coverage at uh1.com. That's uh1.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss plushcare.com slash weight loss hey there it's michelle norris i'm host of a podcast called your mama's kitchen when i travel i'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when i'm not at home and one of the things i love to do when i am at home is entertain and airbnb allows me to do that when i was in california recently i rented a house that had a great kitchen and when we were sitting around the table we're all thinking we're in someone else's house someone could be in all of our homes as well if you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. 
Welcome back to La Liga Lowdown. We are previewing match day nine in La Liga. Uh, it actually begins on Friday night, also in Madrid. It's Rayo taking on Getafe, a little local derby there. Uh, we also have a couple of interesting games on Saturday. Girona Cadiz, Valencia Elche. We've got plenty of news on the Elche front to touch on. And Mallorca Sevilla. So Rory, in those four games there, what, what stands out for you? And of course, Elche have since uh, our last podcast announced the return of Jorge Almiron. Out of pretty much nowhere, this one, I'm, to be honest, staggered that they've gone back to him, given how it ended last time. But, um, well, we'll see how it works out. What do you think? Yeah, staggered, flabbergasted, shocked, bowled over, all words that could uh, adequately describe, I think, my reaction, your reaction, and plenty of others to Jorge Almiron's return. Um, he obviously comes back to the club after he was sacked in February of 2021. He managed 24 games for Elche and won five of them. And Fran Escriba was drafted in to, to do kind of a rescue job for Elche. So, yeah, what the logic behind this is, I'm not entirely sure. In the meantime, Almiron went to Lanús and was promptly sacked there after about six, seven months in the job. Uh, Lanús currently towards the bottom of the table in the Argentine Primera. So, yeah the logic the reasoning behind this is it's hard to it's hard to get into Christian Bergarnik's head as to what he's seen from Almiron in that kind of what 18 month period and said actually he's the man that we need back um, and I'm sure Elche fans will be wondering the same thing because by the end of his time there it was pretty stodgy football and it wasn't effective either yeah I could be cynical but all I can think of is that all of their other targets said Thanks, but no thanks on that one. So, yeah, fascinating local derby there at Mistaya. Uh, Cavani still yet to score after his missed penalty last week. Uh, how about Sam Pauli then? Sevilla going to Mallorca. We know what a tough place to go that is. Do you think Sevilla can get their first win under him on, uh, on this Saturday afternoon? Yeah, I think it's set up relatively nicely, I think, in the sense that Mallorca have actually been better away from home than they have been at home this season in terms of performances. The fact that Mallorca will be missing Vedat Mariki is massive for them. I was looking at their sort of squad um, because I, I I was trying to work out how they would play without him because he's so central to them. He is the, mm. the reference point. He is the sort of third point of the triangle in Aguirre's system. And they have Abdon Prats, who we know is not a clinical finisher, to say the least. He's hardworking and he does his job, but he do, he's not something that makes defenders think twice. And they have Angel Rodriguez, who goes by the name of a poacher, but doesn't actually score that many goals these days. So, um, so yeah, I think this is set up nicely for Sevilla, a side that will struggle to score goals against them. Kanjin Lee will obviously be a, a threat, but Sevilla were good against Dortmund. They went toe-to-toe with them. They could have won. Eric Lamella probably should have scored in the second half and, and given them the lead again against Dortmund. It's a team that thrashed them 4-1 the previous week. And so it shows you kind of clear progress. They survived against Athletic. They competed against Dortmund. And I think Mallorca, a side that will give Sevilla the sort of protagonism in this game, but won't necessarily... I think they'll, they're obviously quite stout defensively, but at home they need to come forward more than they do away from home. So I think that will play into Sevilla's hands a little bit. And yeah, this is a really good opportunity for Sampaoli to get his first win and really start to give some belief back to the Sevilla team that his path is the way to go. Yeah, indeed. Agreed on that front. And uh, yeah, big game for Girona as well. After three defeats against some of the bigger teams in La Liga, they've got a home game 
against Cadiz, which they must be looking at as a big chance to get all three points. And of course, Duani is back fit, so opportunities there. Oh, Saturday night. <laughs> yes, yes, they're so fun. Absolutely tune into that one. Saturday, early game, lunchtime, tune in. It should be a belter. Uh, speaking of should be a belter, in the evening, San Mamés Athletic Club taking on Atleti. Oh my word, this is brilliant, isn't it? Yeah, it's a big game, isn't it? Uh, Sam Mamez under the lights is always good. Whatever's happening, as we saw against Rio a few weeks ago, but this is an Atleti side that's struggling there. The pressure is on them. João Felix is um, vacuuming up all of the sort of media time with his sort of, well, not even his antics, his lack of protagonism, his lack of playing time. So, so yeah, this should be an entertaining fixture. I don't know if you have any... I feel like this is a game that you want to talk about, Matt. Uh, no, well, just the fact that if you're not going to watch, if you if you can't watch the Clasico this weekend, then this is absolutely one that you cannot miss because I think yeah, it was it's third again. Well, Athletic on 17 points, Atleti 16. So massive game in the context of challenging for the top four. Of course, one or both of Real Madrid and Barca will drop points. So if Atleti still think they might be able to be in the title conversation, this is a game they probably have to go and win. Antoine Griezmann, of course, is is beginning to be more of the main man now. We've got that contract issue sorted out. Um, and of course, he goes to Athletic, being a former La Real player, and uh, meets Valverde, who of course signed him in 2019, uh, in that summer, when João Felix went to Atleti. So it's kind of come full circle, really, that Valverde now has w what feels much more like his home, what is his home. And uh, yeah, Athletic really are an intriguing side to watch. They could have won at Sevilla last week. They've been scoring for fun, especially, well, home and away, but... Yeah, I'm, I'm really intrigued to see how this one goes because both will kind of be potentially reactive and, and kind of wait for the other team. But at the same time, I think Athletic could really, really do some damage to Atleti in this one. I, I really think they could. For what it's worth, Atleti still, we're still waiting to see what this team is supposed to be about. We still don't mm. have a, a personality to this team or a trait that there's a, a way of playing that this team is supposed to be going for, to be perfectly honest, because... Yeah, every week it seems like we get a different version of Atleti almost. And yeah, this Athletic side are far more sure of themselves. They have an identity. They know exactly what they're doing. If you want to look at battles, I think Reynildo against uh, the Williams brothers could be pretty entertaining. Three very pacey players and Reynildo incredibly physical too. So so yeah, I think this will be harem scarum. I think it'll be pretty back and forth, to be honest. And uh, Athletic have the chance to make a statement here. Yeah, absolutely. What more could you want on a Saturday night, to be quite honest? Well, on to Sunday then, and your pre-Classico appetizer is at Balaidos. It's Celta against Real Sociedad. Uh, Bryce Mendez, one of the form players of the season, potentially the signing of the season, he's back at Balaidos and will surely want to make a mark here. Lareal going well. We're not sure how they get on a Thursday night because this is recorded before those games. But uh, yeah, Thursday night in Europa League, they're off the back of five straight wins. Uh, La Real in very good shape, aren't they? Yeah, La Real have been... I'm nervous about getting onto the La Real train because we've seen it so many times. They hit November, December, everything's going fine. Can they make the top four? And then come January, February, everyone's exhausted. Uh, two of their strikers are injured. And, and yeah, I'm worried that the same thing will happen again. But... While it's here, we should enjoy it because they're playing fantastic football. Mikel Marino, brilliant assist last week. Bryce Mendes. What a, what a pass. Brilliant, insane. Yeah, it was 
yeah, almost enough to get you into the Spanish squad if you don't play for Spain. Um, <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, this is a good La Real team. I think they're more dynamic with the with the likes of Take. I think the fact that Take Kubo's there and Sorlot, while Isak is, as we've, we've spoken about this, Isak is a more mobile forward. He's more of a technically skilled forward than Sorlot is. I think Sorlot has been providing a nice focal point to this attack which hasn't really had one for a while because if you sort of cast your mind back Isak was playing or Yathabal played through the middle for quite a while they've not had sort of a central main striker to play off for quite some time and I think the likes of Bryce, the likes of Take, David Silva they're quite enjoying having that attention attracted away from them and being able to move off him a wee bit so all going well for now they obviously have the Europa League tie. They seem to be pretty focused on finishing top of that group. So it'll be interesting to see how they get on and how they manage the fatigue again against the Celta side that have been up and down, inconsistent. But, I mean, at Balaidos with Iago Aspas, you can never really count them out of any game. Indeed. I mean, Celta have been Celta, basically. <laughs> <laughs> so... The- the rest of the match day then, we have some couple more intriguing games. If you don't want to be on Twitter arguing about the Clasico, you could watch Espanyol against Real Valladolid. Big game for both here, especially I would say Diego Martinez and Espanyol because it really hasn't clicked. We've, we've talked about the goalkeeping issues. Sam Leverage wrote a fantastic piece on that on our sub stack. Uh, as for Bacheta, yeah, they're starting to score a bit more now, but again, they will need to keep adding points as we get towards the, that kind of middle stretch of the season when it's becomes a grind week in, week out. And then Sunday night, Betis Almeria. Quite an intriguing looking game here. Almeria, of course, got that win and scored some goals last week. And shocking Rio, really. Uh, Betis stumbled against Valladolid, but uh, you'd fancy Betis at home. And then Monday night, the, the week rounds off with Villarreal taking on Osasuna. Again, this is a game Villarreal really should win if they want to finish in the top four, but they probably won't, will they? <laughs> There's a good chance they won't. It screams Villarreal dropping points at home, doesn't it? Um, also, soon I think they maybe took points off Villarreal at the I was going to say at the Madrigal at um, La Ceramica um, last season, and yeah, also soon they're the kind of side that Villarreal hate to play because they don't mind sitting in and counter-attacking. They don't mind uh, sort of ambushing the box on the break, which is exactly what Villarreal kind of like to do. So, yeah, it's, it's Unai Emery's sort of worst nightmare of a team that's like, it's not a top four team. It's not a team that's going to wrestle sort of the main um, onus of the match off them. But it's a solid team. It's a well-coached team. It's a team that will make Villarreal sort of work to break them down. Osasuna, I mean, obviously they're inconsistent. Um, and that's that's kind of part of part and parcel of not being some, one of those top squads with... Um, so many resources but yeah yeah Gobar Sati's side did, had a good start to the season and I think a result against Villarreal here will really sort of set them on the right track again and uh, yeah make them a bit more positive about that start to the season. Yeah a point at the Bernabeu in their last away game of course too and uh, they have Moy Gomez now coming back to Villarreal just like Bryce Mendes to coming back to Celta so a couple of really interesting subplots to look forward to this weekend as well. Uh, any final thoughts, Rory, on the weekend before we wrap up? No, just on that Espanyol via delete game, I think I'll probably be tuning into that uh, if, if Barcelona do um, get beaten because I think it could be could be a tough afternoon for Diego Martinez's side because via delete have 
less pressure on them now. I think after a couple of decent results, I think Pachetta's getting stuff out of this side. I think Sergio Leon has been good in recent weeks. He's, I mean, they're still very lead. They're still lacking a lot of resources, but they're now starting to cause teams the problems that I think they maybe did cause at the start of the season, but lacked the punch. Now they sort of have a little bit of that punch back. And I think against an Espanyol side that commits frequent defensive errors, that's a perfect recipe for another disaster at the RCD Stadium. So a lot of pressure on Hosselu and Diego Martinez to deliver a result here. These are the sort of games that if you're Espanyol, you look at the budget, you've just got to put them away. Could never tell in the tone of your voice there that you're a Barca fan at all. Not at all. <laughs> <laughs> I mean... Hosselu and Diego Martinez are two entities that I quite like on their own, Espanol aside. And uh, yeah, it has been disappointing to see how they've gotten on so far. But uh, but yeah, no bias at all here, man. Not at all. No, I could never accuse you of that, Rory. I, I only jest. Well, that just about wraps it up for this preview podcast. Hopefully we've uh, done enough there for you to whet your appetite for the weekend. It should be a fantastic weekend, Classico aside even, let alone the biggest game in world football. So we look forward to that. Uh, hope you all enjoy that. Thank you for listening. Please check out our Substack where we'll be covering. Uh, we'll have a newsletter out on Friday and on Monday to wrap up the weekend's events. And check out our recap podcast Monday morning too because it's uh, sure to be a good one. And of course, after that, we bounce straight into a midweek round of La Liga fixtures. So the action just does not stop. So stick with us here at La Liga Lowdown. Thanks again, Rory, for your time. Enjoy the weekend. Hope you can... Uh, Enjoy the Classico too, and uh, we'll we'll see you soon. Thanks for listening. Adios. Viene la bola de Tony Cross, pelota arriba, el remate, gol, 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 Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.